Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching from Israel with Dr. Jeffrey Seif. This week, we see how disobedience led to defeat on Joshua more than a conqueror. Welcome to Our Jewish Roots. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. And I am Jeffrey Seif. And we are over halfway through with our series, yes? It's a good one. We're learning so much. Thank you. Well, thank the good Lord. You know, I probably shouldn't even say it as our <laughs> series. Ministers talk about their messages. Authors talk about their books. Bible teachers should just talk about this story. That is to say, the story on the menu today isn't our story. It's not even our series. It's a biblical story. And there's some gory in today's story, yes? yes. But it is our roots. I mean, it's our Jewish roots. We are to learn, it be inspired, but also learn. And today, we are learning about one man's greed and disobedience, how it affected everybody yeah, else. That's a bad story. Good stuff. Yep. Dr. Seif will be teaching on location in Israel. But right now, let's go to Joshua's story of unexpected loss on the battlefield. Jericho was a miracle. But why? Why did Achan have to stain the memories of victory? by hoarding all that silver and gold. Adonai, you're forgiving in our succeeding loss at the city of Ai. A lesson learned, but I grieve. I so grieve the loss of my men. Sir. Our loss at I was not your fault. You rent that cloak because Achan coveted the plunder of Jericho. But I'll never forget. 36 men lost forever because of greed. The Lord gave us Jericho, but he never ever said that we could keep the bounty. It belonged to the Lord, all of it. And the city of Ai would have been ours as well, if not for the sinful plunder of Achan. Let this be a reminder. May it never happen again. There were only 3,000 in that city. We should have taken it easily. If, and only if, the Lord is well pleased with our efforts. It is not by might, says the Lord. We can still take the city of Ai. Sit. Let me show you what God has told me. We are here. I is here. You will lead your men to the back of the city at night, to this side of Bethel, and wait until I summon you. 
And you, sir? I will lead my men the following day north. And we'll camp here. In the morning, my men will set up in the valley across from the city. Whereupon the men of I will see us and pursue us. An ambush. The city will be left vacant, unarmed. Yes, but you will not besiege the city until I turn and raise my spear. Then you will set the city on fire. They will see the smoke ascending. Then my men and I, we will attack the confused lot, utterly destroying them. Magnificent plan, sir. The battle is ours. Learn this lesson. The plan is not mine, and it is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. It's been a miraculous journey. The Jordan River has dried up to facilitate its crossing. The mighty walls of Jericho have fallen down, and now, with heaven-sent cunning, Joshua leads his men to yet another victory at the city of Ai. I went up in flames, finally. Israel got burned beforehand, however, and in another sense, and I'm gonna tell that story here today. It's a tragic story, actually. Victory's one thing, defeat's another. In the Bible, we get a little bit of both. Actually, in the scripture, if you look at the miraculous victories so far, the parting of the sea, the Jordan, the Israelites crossing through, yes, that's 17 verses for that. If you look at the, the miracle and the war at Jericho, a sum total of 27 verses for that. The Battle of Ai, a small city, it shouldn't have taken much. It was a tragedy, 81 verses by my reckoning for that in the Hebrew Bible. Why is it that something that went horribly wrong initially, that should have been relatively easy, why does the text give so much attention to that? I wanna look at that because there's a lesson to be learned from that in my opinion. And I think uh, that Joshua wants us to know that lesson because there's so much spent on a world that went bad. At the first, however, you look at the end of chapter six in the book of Joshua, it's, it ends on a good note. And the Lord was with Joshua. And so it seemed, obviously, after a, a great miracle, we're told, and his fame spread throughout the land. It ends on a very good note and then pivots. By the time we get to chapter 7, we leave a triumph and we go to a tragedy. It should have been an easy victory. Uh, the literature tells us it didn't take much. The next stop on the train was a city called Ai, a small town, dispatch, a small group for all intents and purposes. Should have been easy, but it went bad and people wondered why. Why failure? Why does it happen? Well, we're told in verse 1, We're told the children of Israel committed a trespass concerning the devoted thing. I want to explore that for two reasons. Number one, what's the devoted thing? That is, that uh, the 
the spoils of war were not to go to the people who were enacting the war, that it was to be wholly devoted over to God. The other thing that's interesting, it says the children of Israel committed a trespass, but not really. I say that because when you read on, Ravayikach Akan, and took Achan of the devoted thing, Min HaCherem, as it goes on to say after listing his lineage. It's interesting, there was one man that sinned, but tragically they all were held to be culpable for it. That is to say, they went to war, they weren't supposed to take plunder, they weren't supposed to take spoils of war, booty, they weren't to have it. This is a religious issue. It's not to be, this isn't an opportunity for self-aggrandizement. It's not a, a time for self-gain. But he saw some loot and he took it and he seized it, contrary to the command, contrary to what he was told. And this caused a great loss for the Hebrews. The rabbis, out of this, look at what's referred to as collective responsibility. One man sins, as I'd said, they all pay the price. And in the Jewish world, this carries on in a modernity too. It's understood that every Hebrew carries the name. Uh, everyone's an ambassador of the people. I liken it to, you know, if someone has a plumber and it's a bad plumber, rips people off, so they'll say, listen, we'll never call that plumber again. But if the plumber's wearing a yarmulke, if he's a Hebrew, and he rips the people off, doesn't do a good job, people say, ah, those Jews. There's a sense in which he represents everyone, and that certainly is the case here. The imperative uh, for individuals to live virtuous lives, to keep their word, uh, that sterling virtue, the more so in antiquity, was inculcated into the younger generation. There was a premium or in acting righteously, to be righteous, didn't mean just to go to church on Sundays or a synagogue on Saturday. To be righteous meant to live with sterling character, that is to say, above reproach, that is to say, uh, following instruction. And in this case here, don't seize that which doesn't belong to you. It comes in different forms, robbery, you're taking it from a person, theft, you're taking it from an outside uh, property, a robbery, you're taking it off of a person, burglary, you're taking it from inside of a dwelling, I should say. There's different ways in the penal code in America that we speak of seizure. It's interesting in uh, the Hebrew Bible where the whole notion of theft, taking what doesn't belong to you, is uh, uh, it's egregious in so many ways, and so it is. The Battle of Ai, which should have been an easy picking, it turned out bad. The Hebrews were defeated decisively. Later, they're going to regroup, learn the lesson. It's going to be noted in the text. The problem was Achan. That's going to be dealt with, and then we'll go on to good success, a story that we'll look at in the next segment as we look at being more than a conqueror. Our resource this week, the series Joshua, More Than a Conqueror, on DVD. This eight-program series reveals how Joshua went from spy to Moses' apprentice and then became the faithful leader of the Israelites during the conquest of the land of Canaan. With dramatic reenactments, Bible teaching from Dr. Seif, 
insight from Chaim Mailspin, music, and much more. Contact us and ask for your copy of the DVD series, Joshua, More Than a Conqueror. For many, a trip to the Holy Land is the dream of a lifetime. The Bible truly comes alive as you see the sites where so many biblical events happened. Come on a Zola tour in the spring to see Israel and Petra, or in the fall to add a cruise to Greece and Ephesus. See the land of the Bible for yourself. Contact us to reserve your dream of a lifetime. We've heard so many people say that they were waiting for a sign to know that they should go to Israel, like some big sign would come down from the heavens. But I want to tell you right now, you watching us right here, here's your sign. God yes. is calling you to come visit His land, the Holy Land. There's no place like it. We host tours two times a year, in the fall and in the spring. And in the fall, you can go to Greece, take a Greek cruise, and both tours, you can add on an extension to Petra in Jordan. Fantastic tours. We'd love for you to go with us. Yes. Also, we love bringing you our dramatic reenactments each week. Dr. Seif's teaching in Israel. We could not do that without your support, so we just want to say thank you so much. Right now, let's go to Dr. Seif in Israel as he teaches in Joshua chapter 7. After Achan was found out, he was summarily executed. And with that lesson learned and that issue tended to, then the children of Israel again commenced with the taking of I. And there's a kind of genius in this, too. It lacks the, the, the miraculous component that we saw with the crossing of the Jordan earlier and that we saw with Jericho. There it's clear there's divine agency at play. Here you have the angel of the Lord still going before the people of the Lord, but it really manifests with a kind of creative genius, a strategy. The name of the game is to get these from I outside of the city. So Joshua kind of plays the hand. He, uh, he strategizes to secure uh, their departure. They had already defeated the Hebrews. So there's a frontal assault where the, he where the Hebrews retreat and those in I come out of the city to go get them. Meanwhile, there were others set in ambush. And when the city's vacated, they torch the city. They burn the city. The people look back and they realize they've been had, and now they're squeezed in both directions, where uh, the net result is there is a decisive victory at I, and then the king of I, who survives the battle, is executed afterward. Now, I don't want to uh, glory in anybody's death. That's not the point here. And I don't even think it's the point of the story at I, because it's bookended by a religious principle more so than it is a military victory. I mention that because in the first segment, and then I developed it a little more here just at the start, there was a problem with Achan who, who disobeyed. And the disobedience cost him and Israel dearly. That issue was tended to then, and the Hebrews enjoy good success. And again, in this series, we're looking at being more than a conqueror. Well, maybe there's a correlation between success and compliance. It seems to be the case because before we get out of this story, 
the appendage to it in the, uh, in, in the, in the eighth chapter. It's interesting, in verse 30, I want to look at it, and then pivot to 32, because there's something here that is very important. We're told in the Hebrew Bible, Az yechnei Yehoshua mizbeach la'adonai. That is, after this, we're told that Joshua built an altar to the Lord. We saw fire to begin with, and I'm sitting behind one now, but here a Mizbeach has built an altar. And then we're told in verse 32, al ha'avonim et Mishnah Torah Moshe. And there's an altar that's built, and on it he'll write uh, the, the, the Mishnah Torah. Now, the, the, the rabbis say, you know, what are we looking at here? Are we looking at just the Ten Commandments? Some say that. Some say the 613 commandments. Uh, some say the whole of the Torah. There are these stones that are taken and carved out. Some say miraculously. The point is, is after the battle, after the death, then you have the publishing of the Torah. And the point is, there's a kind of insistence that, uh, that obeying Torah takes precedence. We're told in English that he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, Asher Katav Lifnei Bnei Israel, that he wrote before or in the face of all the children of Israel. There's two compliance stories here that I think the author wants us to understand to be a secret to success. There's a correlation between obedience and success in life, obeying the command. Uh, you hear in scripture, Shema Israel, hero Israel, and it's said over and over again. And for that matter, Jesus, Yeshua's on record over and again saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Of course, people have ears and the eardrums vibrate. They hear, but they don't really hear. But the rabbis say the hearing isn't just good enough. Hear it, that you may do it, that you may observe it. There's the next step. You have to begin by hearing and then doing. And the doing translates into success in life. That is to say, follow the divine instruction. Shlomo, Melech Israel, Solomon, the king of Israel, is said to have put together a collection of short, pithy wisdom sayings. Uh, there's a genre, a type of literature, sapienta literature, wisdom literature. You look at Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's an example of wisdom literature. And it starts off, hear my son, your father's instruction. Obey your mother's teaching. And here's the heavenly father. And it's all commended in the biblical text, there's an imperative to hear the command. And by the way, to that end, that's why attending a house of worship's important. And what's important in that house of worship is a minister that opens up the word and people can hear them and they're commended to the mind's eye of constituents. And why is that? Because there really is a correlation when it comes to success in life between hearing the divine command and doing it. Good things can happen, not just to the Jew, as in the case of this conquest that I, not just to the, not just to the people like me, 
but people like you, all of us, when we hear, when we do, like Joshua then, we can be more than conquerors. Kai Mailspin is an officer with the Israeli Defense Forces. And I had an opportunity to sit down and talk to him about being more than a conqueror. Here particularly, he gave voice to the importance of learning to strategically think outside of the box. Sarge, good to be with you today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Question, the Battle of I, very, very strategic. I mean, it seems to me there is a leader of the Israeli Defense Forces that's thinking outside of the box, this genius there. How much of an emphasis is placed on strategy in military today? Absolutely, there is. And there's also this thinking outside the box and solving problems, even doing something that might seem like not the conventional way, such as in October 17, 1973, Yom Kippur War. I remember down in the Sinai Peninsula, uh, to the Suez Canal, they said, let's do a water bridge that floats on the water and drive the tanks across and let us surround the Third Army of the Egyptians. And everyone thought, "That's how's that going to ever work? But we did. We carried that out, and that helped us win the entire Sinai Peninsula, and which we then later gave back. But it's thinking outside the box. Yeah, strategy and a little bit of chutzpah, yes? Precisely. Now, I want to pivot from that because we're watching this program, people are watching it, and they need biblical medicine for their life's assorted hurts. Uh, would people do well to learn to think outside of the box, to get some creative solutions and move forward with those? Well, absolutely. And I think a lesson from the Bible is when you trust in your commander, he's our commander. You sh of course, Yeshua is our, is our friend, our savior, but he's also our commander. And when something is said, we have to say, I will see this mission through and I will trust the orders that I've been given from above. And, uh, and I love how Ord Wingate, this man, he's a Christian man. You'd think, why would he care about training the IDF? He started when it was the Irgun the Palmach, the Lehi, and the Haganah. And he trained these people, even against the British army orders sometimes, would train these guys. And he actually was in En Harod, which is Gideon Spring. And he got so inspired by how these biblical characters were able to go and advance and take ground and, and see the mission to successful fruition. People have to learn to think strategically, yes. And it's great to be around strategic thinkers. It is. They're inspirational. To this day, I'm close friends with some of those commanders of mine in the Army. We're looking to get some of that inspiration and some of that strategic thinking in Joshua. Thank you for helping us pin some things down today. Thank you for having me. A land of milk and honey, a land to call your own. I give to you my promise, I give to you my own. And these are my commandments I give to you this day. The Lord thy God commands you to follow in his way. By Israel, 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 his everlasting promise, his promise cannot fail.
That is music from our founder, Zola Levitt. And also, Dr. Seif, you sat down with Chaim Melspin. We love spending time with him. He's a brother. Yes, and a soldier. And yes. he made some great points, too, that, that, that really dovetail with the story of the day. And that is that uh, uh, you can see uh, Joshua getting plans that are strategic in nature. And uh, that not only is important in battles long ago, similarly, uh, Chaim uh, gives voice to strategic thinking and planning that goes behind uh, the Israeli defense forces today. Sometimes we just get stuck in a way of thinking and being, but we need to uh, step back and think outside of the box, get a little creative and move forward based on new ways of thinking. I mean, we need to do it in our life. There was a feeling that we needed to do that in our ministry, in fact. Uh, if anybody that calls Zolever Presents uh, calls our Jewish roots, it's the same people that answer the phone. The mail goes to the same place. It's the same set. But God bless, Zola went on to his reward over a decade ago. We, th we thought we needed to be a little more strategic. Zola Levitt was all about presenting our Jewish roots. So let's go with the message, even in the absence of the message. It's something strategic but necessary in order to advance in the new economy, yes? I was going to say many of us watching today, I, and I can relate to this, we haven't been a soldier, our son has, but how can we relate to this story with Joshua as we haven't been in the military. Well, I, I haven't been a soldier either, but I have a career in law enforcement, serving on the streets as a patrol sergeant and in command at a police academy. And I don't want to overstate that. I haven't been off in a battlefield, save for the urban jungle itself. While it's true, if someone has those experiences, they can relate to military stories. But life's a struggle at the end of the day for all of us. And we all have a bad circumstance to overcome, difficult people to overcome. And uh, if God has a call in our life, hell has an assignment against us. We all have an adversary at the end of the day. I'm sorry to say this, but it happens even in the church that we have to go through some battles once in a while. Because a church is constituted with people. Once I told a chief of police complaining about an officer, if you want perfection, if Jesus Christ wants to come and wear your uniform, you're good to go. Other than that, all you have are mortals. Well, on mortals, it's mortals that have done something wrong that God said, do not take plunder. He took plunder. He was disobedient. He tried to hide it and it affected everyone. Yes. That's my personal takeaway from this. Right, that notion we don't of, think it affects other people. That notion of collective responsibility. I mean, what people do, there's certain sins. You know, someone committed, can commit adultery and God will forgive with repentance. It doesn't mean your children will. At the end of the day, there are consequences to actions. Happily with the good news, we all, however, have the opportunity to press a reset button. And that's good it. news it for all of us. It is. It's all over. What a story. <laughs> hey, thanks for helping us tell it, by the way. Uh, we really appreciate your support. Just that you've watched for 30 minutes means something. If you send 30 bucks, it'll mean something, too. Thanks either way. As you go now, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. 
There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministry.